Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau, and it is the final week of September. That means we are digging in once again to the Farm Bill as those conversations continue on. We are talking this week with Joel Leftwich. He is the Chief Strategy Officer with the Kansas Farm Bureau. And Joel, you're not too far away. A lot of the folks that we've talked with are very much... uh, DC-centered, and your past is DC-centered, needless to say, but you get to call Kansas home once again. We are excited to be back home. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you uh, here as well. But yeah, we called, uh, I called DC home for nearly 18 years, and I'm happy to be back in Kansas uh, where I I grew up. You know, a lot of folks, myself included in this mix, whenever you move to Washington, D.C., a lot of times, it just seems like an interesting place to go. I'm only going to go and I'll be out there for a couple of years. Now, I was able to make that happen. I was only there 2014, 2015 for the most part. But it was amazing to me the number of people that I came across within the ag community that from all over the country that are moving out there to work. Uh, They also went out with the intent of being there for a couple of years. And then, you know, 15, 20 years later, they turn around and, oh my gosh, I'm still here. Yeah. I think uh, kudos to you for having a goal, sticking to it, accomplishing that goal. I, I, you know, for me, it wasn't, I didn't have a, you know, a couple year deadline or anything like that. It was really, uh, I was looking forward to experiences and uh, I'm not a, farm kid. I'm a, I'm a banker's kid. Uh, mom was an accountant. Dad was a banker in a community, in a, in a rural community. Um, I got to know agriculture because when farmers did well in our town, the bank did well, the town did well. So when I got to DC and I started working in agriculture policy, like you, I just found this great group of people from all over the country who had similar backgrounds in you know understanding kind of rural community and rural life and we tried to replicate it out there um and i think agriculture especially especially in the agriculture world in dc you can make that home and you can for us it it helped it helped with that adjustment but you know we lived in a we lived in a, a small suburb out there and had a great town and and good neighbors and so we had a lot of that hometown feel where we lived now going back into your experience um you went to Washington D.C. after the twenty or the two thousand two Farm Bill was uh, drafted, so you didn't help pull that one together, but you did help in the process of trying to implement that Farm Bill. Uh, talk about that experience, because I mean, somebody else wrote the rules, and then you guys have to make it work. Yeah, uh, my after graduate school, my first job uh, back in D.C. was at the Department of U.S. Department of Agriculture in their Congressional Affairs Shop. And my portfolio was the natural resources and environment portfolio. So the conservation programs for forest service issues, and which is really interesting when you have a kid from Kansas working on forestry issues. You know, the trees here in Kansas are usually they're either invasive species or they're in a line to help break the wind. Uh, But uh, it was a lot of fun when I got there. We you know, the 2002 Farm Bill had passed. So this was early in uh, 2004. We were looking at rolling out the brand new Uh, at the time, Conservation Security Program. Now it's Conservation Stewardship Program. And it was fun because, you know, we rolled out the, the rolled out these these new regs. It was a highly anticipated program. And it was my second week on the job where we got to go brief the staffs of the of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees about the program. And as you can imagine, 
you know, the folks who who have who put pen to paper don't always agree with the administration on how they implement congressional intent. And so that was my first experience of really kind of uh, feeling that tension between the authorizers and 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 uh, the executive branch on how we how we deliver their programs that they felt very um, very proud of and uh, partial to. So, you know, the the O two bill I think you know had a lot of uh, had a lot of innovation in it. And um, it was fun to be at USDA as, as we were implementing those, those new programs and rolling them out like CSP. Now, if you fast forward to 2008 and 2012, you were actually working more behind the scenes whenever those farm bills came together. Uh, was the process what you expected? Uh, no, but I don't know that I had any realistic expectations. Fair so enough. The, two, the 2008 farm bills, I was working for Senator Roberts. He was a member of the committee uh, Senator Chambliss from Georgia was the ranking member and Senator Harkin from Iowa was the uh, was the chair. And, and one of the things that I remember, we had a lot of buildup. I think Harkin actually did a really good job and Chambliss did a fantastic job of prepping staff of the committee members leading up to the bill. Like we knew we didn't always know timing because that's not a that's not something that's usually known well in advance. Uh, like we're experiencing now, but like we, they did, they, they put us through a, a pretty rigorous process of learning at that time, the ins and outs of the O2 bill as we're getting ready to rewrite it. Um, and then we go into the markup committee markup and there was controversy and some of the, without going into the details of the controversy, one of the things I remember is, is there was a handful, there was like three of us Republican offices and three Democrat offices who wanted to make a significant change to the base text and we were working, you know, weeks on end trying to make this agreement work in a bipartisan way. And the night before markup, we didn't have the language ready yet. And so we, we had to pull all nighters, sleeping in offices uh, to get that language ready and then have our bosses prepared to go sell it the next day. Um, so that was that was that was a lot of fun, kind of from a personal experience. In 2012, uh, Senator Roberts was ranking member of the Ag Committee. Uh, I was deputy staff director, and and that my role there was to really kind of help and support our policy team, uh, who had responsibilities over the individual titles to make sure that we were all kind of going in the same direction and working with uh, our staff director at the time, Mike Seifert. You know that was that was a tough one. We were going through a budget reconciliation process at the time. There was this super committee. And then uh, the Senate was able to put a bill together on the floor and get it passed. That year in 2012, we had the most floor amendments of any other bill in that Congress. Um, it was a it was had bipartisan support. We processed, I think, 79 amendments is the number that stuck in my head uh, on the floor, which is just daunting of a task. Um, but it was it was. Uh, I remember when you talk about you know did it meet expectations. When we went into markup of the bill that summer, the night before, we weren't sure that we had the votes. We weren't positive that we had a majority of the committee that could support this thing. And when finally, you know, with the final votes uh, passed the next day, we won with well over a majority. But I remember just feeling exhausted, just like this weight had been lifted that we got it out of committee, but also just like all of these weeks and months of work just kind of just overwhelmed me. And, and I remember just collapsing on the floor uh, in, in the Senate office building um, uh, before we could go to the 
the ice cream party because it was the day that they had the big ice cream party on the hill. So the the, the 08 and the and the 2012 uh, bill were a lot of fun being behind the scenes for, but it is a lot of work. Well, I imagined uh, there's some folks that probably would echo that sentiment, especially right now, because we're coming up where the current farm bill is set to expire here at the end of this month. Um, there's a lot of conversation. They had the farm bill listening session that took place at the Missouri State Fair. And uh, from the conversation that took place there, and of course, just history, uh, I'd be surprised. And I know a number of folks would be surprised if things are done here at the end of the month. Uh, are you still kind of in the loop that you're getting any kind of insight of that kind of stuff? Uh, if things are done by the end of the month, then like a miracle has happened. Uh, I don't know what it is. Like good time to go buy a lottery ticket. Uh, I, I don't. I do not see a, an avenue where things are done at the end. I don't even think an extension will be passed by the end of the month, based off of where conversations are, um, not just around the farm bill, but around uh, annual spending. I mean, it's you know we are headed we are headed face first into a government shutdown at the at the current point, and so there's not going to be a lot of room for a farm bill extension talk before the thirtieth. But that's okay. Um, you know, we have had multiple extensions over the decades, um, and certainly over the years where farm bills have, have expired. And those extensions don't necessarily have to get passed until, you know, early January um, before things start taking effect. And there's things that USDA can do to slow walk some of the disastrous implementation that were to occur should a farm bill not be extended and we have to revert back to permanent law. So I think, you know, those extension talks will pick up um, after, you know, after we get through this, this this funding period and we head towards the end of the year. You know, frankly, I don't see a farm bill moving until, you know, early next year as well. It takes a lot of time. And let's just let's not forget that the process of moving a farm bill, like the early stages have not occurred. We do not have base text. We do not know what the chairs of the House and the Senate ag committees um, have for their underlying text for for members to react to, for the industry to react to. You know, it takes it takes time to get it through the committee and then to get it through the full floor. And then certainly going into a conference committee, that takes a lot of time to to occur. And so, you know, even if we were to see base text today, um, you know, we're still looking at well, well into spring. Uh, before a final bill could be passed. So I think we've got a long way to go and uh, extensions are okay. We shouldn't be afraid of them. Uh, they just give us a little bit of overtime to get the bill done. Now, of course, next year, we're also heading into an election cycle. Is there any concern about that bogging down the process as well? Yeah, twofold. Um, you know, if, it, if you wait too long and you get into the summer months, you know, that's going to, in, in my opinion, uh, that's going to be very difficult to get a farm bill done when you've got uh, members out campaigning, um, whether for themselves or for or for others. Um, at the same time, if you can get past the election and look at a lame duck, you know, the, there's there's opportunities to pass farm bills and lame ducks as well, even though that's a pretty short window of opportunity. They'd have to have their work done in the in each each chamber really kind of before then. So uh, it, it absolutely could be difficult if you get later on, you know, kind of past July, past the July 4th break. Um, next year, if you don't have a farm bill done, it's going to be really, really difficult to move it um, before November. What is the latest? Uh, do you have an idea what the latest is that they've actually approved a farm bill before? 
you know, I, I don't have that kind of off the top of my head. I mean, we've had multi-year extensions. You know, you think about the 2008 Farm Bill, you know, it was up for reauthorization in 2012 because it was a year late. It was supposed to be in 2007. It was in, it was in, occurred in 2008. And it wasn't until 2014 that we got the bill done. And so, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was a two and a half year extension, really, that we had to operate with there. Um you know, the 2019 Farm Bill um, was late, but moved pretty quickly, I think, when you compare it to others others in the past. And so uh, it, it just it it's not new territory that we that we're treading in in now. So we can we can certainly learn from what's been done in the past. Is there anything that stands out that's on the you know, the whole bill is on the on the rework menu? Was there anything that stands out that could be the the hiccup that might slow things down? Uh, there's well, there are folks who have much more experience in farm bills than I do, um, but from my experience, there is no shortage of potential hiccups or speed bumps <laughs> or roadblocks. And roadblocks might be strong because usually we, we we always find a way to get through them. Um, you know, and they come at different times. You know, certainly right now there's a lot of conversation around money you know is there going to be money above the baseline to put into whatever priorities those might be a revamp of title one or a plus up of title one shifting things in conservation programs um you know research everybody you know research is usually on the the top five of everybody's priority list of things they want to plus up and then when they actually get to uh allocating the dollars it drops way down so we'll see <laughs> um dairy is usually a fight my my, my former boss uh, would talk about this all the time and he's, <laughs> he would he would prohibit his staff from learning dairy policy because it was too confusing for him uh, and certainly too confusing for us. But more importantly, he would say dairy always gets figured out at the last minute, the the uh, the 59th second of the 59th minute of the 11th hour. And it's usually, uh, you know, some Hail Mary shot that comes in that fixes dairy. And so I think there's a lot of there are a lot of hiccups that will have to get um, negotiated through. Um, but I'm still confident that we can get it that we can get it done. But right now, it's that it's the it's the baseline money factor that's uh, that's taking up a lot of the attention. What about the nutrition side of things? Of course, we've for multiple years throughout my time in, as a farm broadcaster, there's always been a uh, we need to separate the nutrition title from the rest of the farm programs. And of course, there's the call to that we need to keep them together. But excuse me, most recently, you know, there's been some uh, additional funding put into the nutrition side of things that some folks thought that that might lessen the debate that might take place in the farm bill but now we're coming back around that no maybe not maybe the the conversation is still going to be over nutrition just as heated as it has been in years past i think anytime you're talking about you know 80 percent of a of a total bill uh with funding in there you know it's going to be a topic of conversation and, and rightfully so i think you know when, the, the difference is when you're talking, are you just talking about the amount of money or are you talking about the policy that that um, excuse me, the policy that that brings that amount of money, that, that total spend? You know, in 2008, we changed some rules in the farm bill that that frankly, you know, both Republicans and Democrats thought was not going to be that big of a deal around categorical eligibility. And the implementation of that change really ballooned the programs, the program's cost. You know, since then, there's been some there's been some changes and certainly there's controversy over, 
uh, or question over a USDA rule change over the course of the last couple of years that's impacted the total spend on, on nutrition. But I think it's okay to have a conversation around the policy behind that number. You know, if you, you know, when folks start talking about separating out the production, the production ag side of the farm bill versus the food side of the farm bill, you know, we don't have to look too far into the history books to see how that failed uh, to produce anything that either side wanted. Um, and so we weren't able to sign anything into law when we separate out those 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 portions of the bill, which is certainly why our members have policy and and, and AFVF has policy on keeping the bill together, um, because that's what works. And I think it makes sense. I mean, in, in the wide range of if you want to talk kind of broadly about policy, it makes sense to have the conversation around food production with food consumption in the same in the, in that same conversation, uh, especially when we're talking about support systems where, that that certainly benefits um, people who are in need and provides a market for folks uh, who, who who grow and raise the food as well. And before we wrap things up, the, the one thing that I've heard years and years in the making is, you know, the crop insurance programs. And a lot of folks are very, very adamant. We've got to protect our crop insurance programs. Um, do you think that's going to, I mean, has, have the legislators accepted that this does have to be a part of the process? Is there ever a risk of that happening? Yeah, I think there's always there's always risk to crop insurance. Um, one because I don't there's a lot of folks who don't understand it um, uh, in the policymaking world. And again, similar to SNAP, where they'll look at the, they'll look at a total cost. They might look at crop insurance and say, oh well, that's a significant piece of of USDA spending. Um, interesting, you know, there's not a whole lot of that that occurs within the farm bill. You know, crop insurance can stand on its own policy wise. Um, doesn't have to be reauthorized necessarily like like other like Title One programs do or anything like that. Um, but there is always a threat to folks trying to, to to change that system to benefit another to benefit something else. Um, and so, you know, certainly Kansas Farm Bureau members, um, you know, one of their that's their priority is preserve and protect crop insurance, um, just because it is what protects our members against weather events. And, you know, when we start having to explain the difference between a car, insur car insurance and crop insurance, um, you know, th the reason that we have to explain those differences is because a lot of members who aren't familiar with the crop insurance program um, just uh, get, get confused by it and don't understand, don't understand its importance to our members. And so absolutely, it's, a, it's to, in my mind, it is critical to have pre preserving and protecting of crop insurance to be top priorities in the farm bill because it, it's discussed. Joel, whenever it comes to understanding the various titles, including, of course, the crop insurance programs, is there a resource or anything that you encourage folks to kind of to check out that might be a, a little bit more inside information that they haven't been able to dig up elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, of course, this would be in addition to the wonderful material that Kansas and Missouri Farm Bureau puts out of and course. AFDF puts out. But in, in addition to those wonderful resources. You know, I, I like going to the Congressional Research Service. You know, that is a that's a publicly available resource that folks can check out. Their team does a pretty good job. Uh, they, their team does a good job of of articulating the key issues within each of those titles. And so I, I always encourage people to go to Congressional Research Service uh, to get that base level understanding of what's in a farm bill and um, and really what's not. Well, Joel, anything else that you want to let folks know? 
Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to to be with you. My my mom's side of the family grew up in uh, in Missouri, and so I tell people that for a long time I went to more Missouri state fairs in Sedalia than uh, Kansas state fairs. But now now it's 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 I'm back on the right side, I guess, or the the west side, the west uh, side. Of, that, that of that ledger. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, we, we love, we loved our, we love our family in Missouri and, and just so thankful to, to visit with you today. All right. Well, thank you very much, Joel. We appreciate your time again, talking with Joel Leftwich. He is the chief strategy officer with the Kansas Farm Bureau and also, of course, a former staffer with legislators in Washington, D.C. during the time the farm bills were created here in recent years. You've been listening to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau.